Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. And I'm happy to confirm we are the podcast that we've apologised and now everything is okay. Nothing to see here. I'm your host, of course, Chris, and I'm joined by Jez and Phil. Have you both apologised for your actions in recent years? And will you be getting approximately five million over the next three years when you go to Saudi Arabia, either of you? I'm I just, just curious. If, if you uh, are... Not so much. Yeah, one of those things, but unfortunately not the other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, if, if any of it is, is four or five million, then I'll take some. Uh, right, uh, evening to you both. So we have um, quite a lot to get through this week in various, various uh, topics and forms. So we're going to start of course, in, in Liga, because that's what we do. Um, and we're going to start with the probably the big game of the weekend, which was, of course, the Lens-Montpellier. I've got Montpellier on the brain, Phil. That's, that's down to you and all those goals. Uh, I'll do that to you. Yeah, indeed. Lens against Marseille. Uh, it was a, a 2-1 victory for Lens. That doesn't really tell half the story. Um, more of that in a second. But let's... Uh, Let's talk about the game first of all. Phil, I'll start with you. Um, at the risk of being ever so slightly biased and, and sort of um, upsetting our, our Marseille listeners, I was kind of pleased that, that Lons got this win because whilst Marseille started the better, I think over the course of the season, I just sort of feel like they're, they're deserving of the second spot, which is where they are again. What did you make of the game as a whole? Because it was, it was frantic at times. It was passionate yeah. at times. It had a bit of everything, didn't it, really? And as we will, as you say, come on to later, if after a game you see the referee's name trending on Twitter, it's never a good sign. True but, um, uh, so what we saw was there was an early goal for Marseille for Sanchez ruled out for a shove. Um, and then either side of halftime for Fana got a goal for Lance and then Appenda, I'm pretty sure he's going to go somewhere for money in the summer. Oh, yes. um, and then I mentioned last week at the um, OM home game that Payet and Ganduzi were brought on as subs to a rapturous applause. Here they were subbed on to a slightly different uh, welcome and Guendouzi in particular was booed every time he touched the ball. And yeah, it, was, it was really, really pointed. I asked Mo Ali mm. what of the Lonsoir got against Guendouzi. He's like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was really, really weird. I checked the earlier game in the season. He didn't appear to do anything particularly annoying for them there. Um, so that was very pointed. Lance then went on to screw up a three-on-one break, which could have been the absolute icing on the cake before Payet did score uh, in the 88th minute to get one back from Marseille. So it was the scoreline in this case, the scoreline possibly looks slightly better for OM than the actual gameplay once they got after... Uh, sort of uh, the first 10 minutes, but there is there is stuff and things about it. So Lens have uh, retaken uh, second place and 
say do they deserve it they're not deserve it whatever well they they won the game and post-match what about rebitching is something that's a little bit distasteful perhaps yeah we'll touch on that in a second yeah that's for sure um is there a better smile in french football than than soko fafana though i mean like what a i i messaged um friend of the pod Adam Virgo and uh, during this game because he was doing it on BT comms and as Fofana rattled the post early on I messaged him and said he's, he's, that's his sighter watch him hit another one and literally five minutes later he uh he opened the scoring and he's he's so vital isn't he Phil to everything that Lons do well in terms of his leadership but his his presence his charisma he's, he's just he's just that leader by example in every way for that team isn't he yeah, and he's not, I don't know if I'm just misremembering this because Appenda's been so great, but he's not the greatest goal scorer, but getting getting the opener was really important. Lekeep's um, top uh, poll, he's there at 57% of 40,000 votes, Appenda second on 27 Um yeah, I mean, their Samba was good in goal as well. Obviously, ex Marseille, so yeah. that's got a bit of bite to it as well. But really, they were they were good all over the park. Frankowski, uh, Anana, there were some really good performances. Um, your man crush Fabini, um, yeah. not as good as usual, maybe, but Sotoka was really pushing and. It looked like Marseille just had a bit of a a bit of an off day. Kalasinac looked like he was going to punch somebody, you know, and Ember got poked in the eye at some point. It was it was a, it was quite spicy, mm. um, and obviously that's something you'd expect from a game at the top of the table. And I just felt that Lance dealt with that atmosphere better. Obviously, they're at home, so part of the atmosphere is coming from their home fans. As I said, just whistling and booing Gwenduzi relentlessly for that last 15 minutes. And if anybody does know what they've got, specifically against him please let us know because a lot of us are very puzzled mm. but yeah it was um it was a really good um team performance from Lance as we are we've been used to seeing this season and they pulled it out of the bag again in this very important game yeah yeah absolutely um we'll touch on Marseille in a second Jazz but first of all um, as Phil said, they're rightly giving credit to, to Lowell's. Do you sort of feel like this was almost a marker they put down in this game whilst it, it could have gone either way? I thought Marseille probably started the stronger of the two and arguably with that late uh, Payet goal, they, they finished the stronger of the two. But Lowell's just overall, it's that team ethic, isn't it? And I think, I feel like, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like it would be a bit of a travesty if they didn't finish runners-up just over the course of the whole season. They've just been a, a pleasure to watch, and the atmosphere um, at home is just is something different, isn't it? I know it might pain you to say, but they—I just felt they—they were—they are the ones that, that deserve this spot. 
I think, I mean, I, I think either team would probably deserve it. And certainly both teams have got great home support as well. I mean, Marseille have been right up there all season too, but just in terms of the, not quality of the football, because Marseille's football is quality, but just in a different way. I just think that Lance play the more sort of exhilarating, entertaining football. So in that sense, it's it's nice to see them up there. But, um, you know, I wouldn't begrudge Marseille second place. I just think, you said team ethic, I think they're the two teams and certainly they, of course, really show PSG up in that sense. They both, both clubs really play as a team. And I think maybe the difference on a couple of occasions and certainly on on um, Saturday was that <clears throat> I think I just Marseille don't seem to have that many players at the moment who can sort of like the touch paper or do something special by themselves. You know, Payet either isn't playing or isn't, you know, has passed his ability to do that. Um, if it's not Sanchez, you're not really sure where the magic's going to come from. And he obviously went off injured um, or didn't come out in the second half. Whereas Lance, it just feels like there are a couple of players at the moment who are in such good form that they can win a match, not necessarily by themselves, but, you know, for fun, it can come up with a goal like he scored, like the shot they hit the post as well. Um, you know, he's only scored, I think, five goals this season, but it just feels maybe less so this year, but certainly last year, that the goals he scores are important goals at important mm-hmm. times. Um, and maybe that will prove the difference. But even even then, I think, I can't remember, but I think we did look at run-ins and Marseille might have the slightly easier ones. So I can, I can see Lance possibly still dropping a couple of points and second and third place being swapped between them again once or twice before the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, we might uh, touch on those run-ins again, just to remind everybody uh, in a bit. Um, let's let's pick up on this news off the field then that, that's come out in the last couple of days. Um, I sort of <laughs> use the phrase cry more because I just... By the uh, way, just Gwendozy was booed for stuff that he said recently. I was just as you know far what? as I've got so far. I was just thinking, like uh, knowing knowing what he's like for stirring up, because he used to talk a lot of uh, a lot of crap about Spurs before the North London derbies back in the day. So I did wonder if perhaps he might have said something that, that we weren't aware mm. of in the English press. So that would make sense. Um, I mean, it's quite easy to hate. Let's be honest. As much as I like him as a player, um, yeah. This this statement from Marseille the Jez. I mean, it is quite lengthy, so I'm not going to read it in full, but if you want to summarise essentially what's been said um, and give us your thoughts on it, because personally, it just, to me, it just smacks of sour grapes. It's, it, it's almost ironic that a club who, you know, let's, let's not dig into the history books too far, but a club who um, have their shady dealings in the past, yeah. shall we say, in terms of their reputation amongst the Europeans elite and, and even other French clubs. It, it's just, it, it just it, all all I could do when I read it was just wow, you know, it's just so petty. What 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 was said and what do you make of it? Yeah, ba- basically, I mean, it's this annoying habit that it only really seems to be Marseille, Lyon, PSG. Funnily enough, you keep the last uh-huh. couple of years have just been releasing these communiques, these sort of passive aggressive club statements, and this one is basically just kind of guys, guys, we're. You know, we're 
we're not saying you're all corrupt and against us, but you're all corrupt and against us. <laughs> Just sort of going through in very formal language a few decisions against Marseille yes, this year. It. It's the little, and this happened, and this happened. And it's got like J11, 1-0, hand in the box. J27, 2-2, exclusion by Leonardo Bellardi. It's really... Embarrassing? Kind of nitpicky. Petty. Yeah. Look, I, I don't believe that. I mean, it's also saying things like, you know, we, after international breaks, we play sooner than other teams and yeah. we don't agree with some of the decisions of the disciplinary committee and stuff. I just, I don't believe this decision's even out over a season. Speaking of someone who supports a team that's had the Referees Association apologise to them three times this year, it's bullshit. And going back to your sort of <laughs> intro, but um, I, you know, Marseille are a big club in French terms. Probably, if you were to go through every decision, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying definitely, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, they generally came out in their favour overall. I think that Mukieli Hamble was a disgraceful decision. I think the foul blown against Sanchez, against Danso at the weekend was fair. There's no point in going through each of these calls one by one. It's ridiculous. Um, mm. And you just sort of would like to think better of a bigger club, firstly, in terms of awareness that usually bigger clubs are favoured. Secondly, as you said, bearing in mind that Marseille have not always been the cleanest of teams on and off the pitch in the past. And thirdly, it's just, it's a little bit embarrassing. Mm. A little team sort of saying, wow, 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 we're badly treated. You can understand to a point, but you'd like to think that Marseille, even if they felt that, wouldn't give everyone else the satisfaction of publicising it. Is it is it deflection though, On just on that? Sorry to jump in, but is it a bit of deflection? Because if they don't achieve Champions League qualification automatically in that second spot, having been there the whole season, it is it's, a bit of a failing, isn't it? It's not going to matter, though. Nobody's going to believe it. look yeah. back at these press releases mm. and say, oh, well, you know, oh, that's why they do. No, everybody, it's, everybody points and laughs. Their own fans are like, Jesus, can you just stop? It's very... Very only... odd. I mean, we, we've got used to, for me, communicate, <clears throat> when I see that word, it's an ultra group complaining about being kettled in a car park, which incidentally <laughs> happened weekend as well, um, Rather and making those kind of points rather than the club making the, as I said, it just seems petty. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't look good over the um, in the great scheme of things. It's like, well, okay, you're unhappy, get on with it, mm. rather than putting out, as you say, it's a lengthy, yes, lengthy yeah, list. It, it took me a while really... to translate it, let alone read it. <laughs> it's just like, 
Well, that, yeah. that's where that's where uh, right click and translate to English comes in handy. Chris. Yeah, I found that out after I painstakingly gone through the whole article. So thanks, yeah. phone. <laughs> um, just just final thing on this, Jez. The, the, the timing of it is what got me as well. I think it was released yesterday, so nigh on a full week. Well, like you know, over over. Would it would take anyway. them that long to go through all the. We have all the individual, yeah. But but speaking as a, as you you made reference to there, Jess, you know, in 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 England, we've had Brighton have been apologised to. I think Arsenal had a couple now as well. Other teams have West Ham. I think got one. Um, you know, as a supporter, um, I I freely admit I get really wound up by supporters of my own team going on social media and wow, it's always us, wow, conspiracy. It's like, no, it's not. It, it, like They're poor decisions, but there's no conspiracy. You just like grow up. But at the same time, um, you know, after you've sort of wiped that away and gone, okay, we haven't got the right end of the stick this, this season or whatever, as a supporter, whether you like it or not, you do just move on, don't you? You do just sort of get on with it. For Marseille to, to bring this up, you know, a full three or four days later just smacks of them like they've just stewed on it haven't they and it, that's why i feel like it's a bit of deflectional tactic so that it's not going to be the talking point ahead of the weekend well i mean I, the only the only thing that i can think of is they're thinking more for the the rest of the season if if they've yeah. sort of put a little bit of doubt in referees minds that they might get you know favorable the benefit yeah, of any debatable decisions between now and the end of the season in which case you know if Alex Ferguson or Mourinho were to do that people say it's genius psychological mind games all that stuff um but yeah at the same time I don't know if it's a strong signal to send to the players that club are having to resort to that shows weakness doesn't it yeah yeah totally agree um we'll, we'll see what comes of that uh, it was a uh, very odd very odd indeed only in france <laughs> some might say although it's not the case um let's move on from that game then and i say congratulations to Lons, who are now very much in that driving seat for second spot um because we're not going to talk about them in any great depth tonight i just want to very quickly uh, gloss over PSG um, and the news that's come out then this week. They won 3-1 at Troyes. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say they were pretty average this game. Uh, Mbappe's opener was a touch fortunate. Bettini's second was was decent. And Fabian Ruiz hit a, a cracker on the, in the 86th minute, having had a bit of doubt when Chevalier and Paul won back with seven minutes to go. Um, they should go on and win this title now. I, I, you know, I think it would be an absolute dereliction of duty if they didn't. But um, just quickly off the pitch, uh, we touched on it in the intro there, Phil, but Messi has apologised. Um, oh. He's uh, he's back in training. Um, mm. I don't think it's actually been officially announced, but it does appear now that he will be moving on regardless of the apology. Uh, he's very much on his farewell tour now. Um, has he been a success in your in your opinion, if, if indeed he does move on? Um. It's, mm, um, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, in in marketing terms, mm-hmm. oh, raring success. Sold a lot of shirts. Mm. But in footballing terms, I think possibly he's caused more complications than he's solved. Mm. Um, so not really, which is a sad thing to say. And if this move is confirmed, that he's off to Saudi Arabia, is 
is another sad thing. I mean, he he kind of completed football on winning the the World Cup. It just feels like, you know, why continue when you're not continuing really it um, it's a very odd one i mean people don't no, you mean like, why like, go on if you're not MLS, on whatever i don't want to bitch on mls whatever but i can certainly bitch on the saudi league i mean christ um that this is just really setting up to be a sad end to a brilliant career mm. and that is sad when you yeah. think about the wonderful player, the wonderful things, he just can't do that anymore. And um, that's a mixture of PSG not being constructed around him, but he's 35. He said maybe he can't do that anymore. Would Barcelona have remained built around him? If they had done, it probably wouldn't have gone very well. You know, so it's... It's, uh, uh, you know, what what they say, the dying of the light and all of that business. It just mm. seems like, mate, you've got enough money. Just go on holiday. It's not quite Zidane leaving at his peak at Real Madrid, is it? It just feels you a bit... Do something else. I mean, he's clearly not going to become a pundit and he's not going to become a manager because he doesn't appear to have any interest in that kind of thing. But... He doesn't need to do either of those things. He could just potter off and, and play with his kids. I mean, that would surely be better than this. I think his dad and his family have other have other um, thoughts on, on where he what he'll go next and what he'll do. Um, for the record, I'd, I'd quite like to see him in the studio alongside Robbie Savage on BT. I think that would be quite funny. Um, just, He's just... in grey. I mean, oh, <laughs> sorry, that's... God. Back to the global politics again, isn't Not it? those two, for yeah. Christ's sake. Um, yeah, just quickly, Jess, will you, will you miss him? Um, you know, it, it's it has, whether it's been a success or not, it did bring a lot of eyes on onto the French game again, didn't it? And whilst it's not all maybe ending the way we would have liked it, it will be kind of sad to, to see another superstar go, I guess. To an extent, I mean... Kind of, it's, it's sort of nice, you know, the cachet of saying that Messi is playing in Ligue 1 is pretty cool, but it's not the same Messi that it was. And, mm. uh, yeah, statistically he's done well. He's got a hell of a lot of assists. This year he's added is, is you know, the goal scoring that we know that he's got as well. But the bottom line is that he was obviously brought in to help them win the Champions League and he hasn't helped them come even close. So... To that extent, I think he's been a failure. Um, and it, again, all he all it's really done is serve to highlight the issues around PSG in general. Yeah. Um, and as Phil said, I, you know, in terms of where he's going to go on to now, I think that just leaves a bad taste. But I think maybe we expect a little bit too much of some of these players. Yeah. Not expect a little bit too much, but maybe... Um, maybe they're, they're not very classy some of them unfortunately yeah. um, 
it's just you know he's always been painted as the the nicer one of the of the two in that debate about who's the greatest or whatever um and it turns out they're probably as bad as each other um but as we said just from a French point of view, it's sad that he's not in the league anymore. But if it means that PSG now begin to get their act together, then it's not such a bad thing. But certainly, I would say overall a failure considering what he was meant to bring and what PSG were meant to do with him and the team. Great and good and all that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'll be sad to see him go to a degree. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that he, also um... like an apology in which he said, "I didn't know that I wasn't allowed to go." Yeah, that was a it bit. wasn't much of an apology, really. <laughs> no, he got a lot of credit for, for doing it off his own back, and I did find it funny that the the club was sort of like, "Oh, you know, we didn't ask him to do this, and then um, we, we respect it, and that's why we're lifting the suspension." It's like all that good work you did suspending him, and you've just but, undone it literally in the space of a, of a week. Only PSG. But seriously, does anybody else think that possibly this was less to do with football and more to do with various oh, different behind the scenes? 100%, yeah, yeah. Calling yeah. each other's embassies, and that's also kind of petty. His, 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 return, is not, his return is not going not to dictate whether PSG, you know, beat... A Jacksey at the weekend, isn't it? Is it? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just madness. But anyway, whatever. Um, I, well, I didn't realize the ban had been lifted. I thought he was still training by himself. I uh, know. Uh, he's, he's, he's suggestion is back. he's back. Yeah. And available. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll hear more about selection when Gautier goes before the press. But yeah, and suggestion is from those who know that he will be back. So, oh my God, that Gautier press conference will <laughs> be a painful watch. That just... man has had a lot of painful things to deal with in press conferences. Some of his own making. It's, 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 I get, but this is great. I would have so much respect for him if he just said, "It's I'm nothing off. to do with me. <laughs> Don't ask." I, I have. I the more the time goes on with him, the more I sort of see the latter days of Pochettino in him, where he's just like, "Do you know what?" I'm just, I'll just be glad to get out of here. I'm just so done with this crap. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if that's how he sees it in the end. But uh, anyway, um, somebody else who's um, who was probably tired of his job, but he certainly doesn't have a job anymore, is, is Anton Kumbuare. Uh Jazz, we, we built it up last week, didn't we? We said this would be probably the game to watch of the weekend, aside from the the uh, the, the Lance Marseille game. And that was Nantes Strasbourg. And Strasbourg came out on top by two goals to nil. Um, and wouldn't you know it, goal scorers get goals. Hey, Dial, will uh, be at a penalty spot uh, this week, and Diara with the second. Um, Nantes are into the relegation zone, and this result cost Kumbuari his job. Um, what do you make of that, and what's happened since? Who has come in for for the uh, the duties of trying to keep Nantes afloat in this um, turbulent end of the season? Um. First of all, I felt slightly sorry for them because, I mean, statistically they were, it was a pretty even match. And although I haven't seen anyone else question it, for me, it was absolutely no way that was a penalty. Mm. Um, I'm really surprised it was given. Well, I'm not surprised it was given nowadays, but I, yeah, it was not a penalty for me. The second goal was uh, give the ball away, quite a nice move. And then there wasn't really any fight left in the team. But um, 
they're just they're in a mess and I, I don't know if it's worth changing him now I don't know if it's sort of a bit late um but well, I they need... not available now so yeah. I mean because <laughs> <laughs> they just need some kind of electric shock I guess yeah 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 Pardew, yeah so yeah. they've brought in sort of two ex uh excellent players so Pierre Aristouille is like the official coach. He's um, sort of not born and bred. He came through the youth team. He played for the team. He's been their reserve team coach. And then Viscarondo is like a recent recent defender of theirs. He's very no-nonsense. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they can make a difference just because it's someone different there. And if, you know, rightly or wrongly, it looked like Comboire had lost the changing room. But... You just worry that they're on such a downward spiral that it's going to be quite difficult to to change direction. And again, I think a little bit like I said about Marseille, I'm just not sure how many of those players, even if they all play solidly together, you know, how many out and out goal scorers they've got, how many players who can do something special. Um, you know, maybe for example, if they can eke out something from Moses Simon, who has been awful this year, for example. You know, he can win a match, but it just feels like, I don't know if it's the Europa League run or the Cup run or what it is, but they just, they all look shattered mm. um, sort of mentally and physically. And, and yeah, it's a concern. Again, we said they had two or three big matches against teams around them. And so far, they haven't got much out of those matches. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's it's worth bearing in mind, obviously, they're in the relegation zone because it's four down this year. Yeah. If it was uh inverted commas normal season, then nine points clear of a Jack Two and 18th. Mm. Um so this is an unusual season. And but they knew that, right? I mean that's that's the way looking at it. Um, they, yes, they knew they knew that, but when you're talking about the points totals that this is an unusual situation. It should, as Jess mentioned, I mean, they played the catch-up game just after we recorded last week, which is against Brest, and Brest won, t- won that 2-0 with, as you pointed out in our WhatsApp group, uh, a serious Lafont fuck-up after oh, I'd yes. been saying, he is a good goalkeeper, <laughs> and then he came out and did that. Yeah, that was um, pretty bad. Which obviously Brest were down there as well. So that hasn't helped with the whole the whole kind of situation. Mm. Um yeah, and in those terms, um Comboire, when you look at his history, I mean when I started watching French football he was managing PSG and they were top of the table. Um, yeah. And it's it's a it's an odd situation. Um, how things can change, yeah. How yeah, that obviously that's a long period of time, but he just wasn't able to get a tune out of them. I mean, Ludovic Blass is the one non-player that I'd buy if yeah. I was a billionaire in charge of another team. Um, but, yeah, who else Who else is there who, as Jess says, you can rely on to do something good? Mm. There aren't many 
options there. No, not many saleable assets if they were to go down either, although I, I suspect they would have a few players picked off by other Ligue 1 teams, but they are right in it now, Nantes. Um, and if we sort of continue on our theme of Troyes and Ajaxio are down, I think I'm right in saying actually Troyes can be, can be relegated this weekend um, yeah. after their defeat to PSG, obviously their second bottom, 22 points. Ajaxio, 23 points. Um Similar story for them. I mean, they had to get something against Toulouse. They got something, but it was a nil-nil draw and a point, which doesn't help their cause. And I think they can be relegated. I think it's next week if results go against them. Um, so, yeah, not not good for those two. And then non to right in it, just to bring you up to speed on those clubs around them. Probably the two that are closest in... Well, actually, you'd have to put Strasbourg still in this in this little... Uh, foray of teams because Strasbourg, despite that win of Anant, are the highest of the group and into 14th place with 35 points. Um, you've got Brest on 35 who uh, <laughs> lost the derby to Lorient at the weekend. Uh, just going to leave that there for a second. Um, and Osea, who I feel like they're probably the most catchable team. Um, a 1-1 draw with Claremont. Normally, you'd say that's probably dropped points, but the way Claremont have been playing recently... No, I I, I think Oxair are... I maintain, as I've said before, I think they're going to be OK. And that was a good result against Claremont. As you say, they Claremont were unbeaten, had sort of five wins on the spin. So getting a 1-1 draw to them um, is decent. Observed mm. still on a it, it had a bit of a, a recent wobble, but um, you know, they they look like they could they should be okay. The only thing I'd say for them is they got PSG and Lance. And Lance, and they, and they, they play Brest at the weekend, which is... They play Brest huge. this weekend, if they win that, what I was looking at. Yeah, that, that's the game, I isn't it? The... And I, I sort of fancy Brest at home to win that, personally. Um, and let's yeah. just hypothetically say they did. That would take Brest up to, what, 38 points. Yeah. Um, it, that that's when you start looking and thinking, oh, that's quite a gap, uh, especially as Nantes go away to Toulouse at the weekend, which, granted, Toulouse have got the towels and the flip-flops on, or the towels out and the flip-flops on, but um, they're still going to want to try and finish as high up the table as they can. They've um, got Toulouse as well. So. Well, there you go, yeah. So they're going to have quite the say in this relegation run. Um, Strasbourg, I, I would guess, probably need one more win or at least a couple of draws, you would say. Um, I feel like they'll have enough. They've got Nice at the weekend at home. Um, nice have, have had a little bit of an upturn of form, but if it really comes down to it, I could sort of see Strasbourg getting the win out of that game. Nice two straight wins has to be said, but yeah, um, that that's that would be my concern for us there. But then that said, unless this coaching sort of change at not has any impact. Um, I can't see not winning a game at the moment. So regardless of who their opposition is for the run-in, um, I guess that the, the concern for them would be where are they, you know, how are they going to get a win regardless of who they're playing? Um, and again, just to run through their final games, Toulouse, as, as just mentioned there at the weekend, followed by home to Montpellier, away at Lille, who are still fighting for Europe. And then they finish against relegated Angers, which, I mean, if they can't win that, then 
well, uh, what more can you say? So, um, yeah, it's getting very tight down there. But as we say, probably by the end of uh, this weekend's games, or certainly by the end of next week's, we will know that Tuana Jaxio's fate will almost certainly be uh, confirmed. So, um, yeah, unfortunate for them. But uh, two clubs and Tuana especially, they need quite a lot of sorting out, I think, given the fact they're in the uh, the city group of clubs. You would expect quite a lot of change for their squad for next season. Um, let's have a look at the European chases then. We're going to rope a couple of teams in together here, Monaco, Lille, Rennes and Lyon. Um, Phil, I, I suppose there's only really one place to start in this game. Lyon 5, Montpellier 4. How do you <sighs> how do you feel if you're Eli Wahi? You score four goals away from home and you still end up losing the game. I just and I I reached out to uh, Duncan Alexander to say, have we seen a game where two players on opposite sides got four goals? <laughs> because Lacazette got four as well. Was he commented? Um, yes, happened once in France before. Yeah, was it? Was it, I heard this on some. Was it in the seventies or something? Somebody got. It was De, De Leonis and. Um, not Bielsa, what's his name? The one that looks like Larry David. Oh, God, now you've asked yeah, me. Argentinian striker. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They're like the you know, two yeah, know great league and goal scorers, and they both scored four in a match against each other. There you are, oh. Phil. <laughs> well, in this case, because last week I think I said bet on 5 1 for somebody, and it was looking good. At some <laughs> you weren't far away, were you? Um, <laughs> at one point. Because Lacazette opened the scoring. For OL, and what he then scored two in two minutes before half time, then scored two in two minutes shortly after half time. Um, on his third, he got booked for taking his shirt off, so fortunately, did not uh, <laughs> take his shirt off for the fourth. He thought about um, it as well, didn't he? So, yeah, uh, so that was 4 1. You're thinking, yeah, this is. Brilliant. And then Lacazette got one back. And then it was like Leon's defence had been poor uh, prior to this. It was then like Montpellier's defence went, the fuck is happening here? And just kind of forgot how to play. There were loads of near misses um, as the Montpellier defence basically lost its Cool. There was one particular incident where I think Moassa cleared off the crossbar, which otherwise would have been an absolutely amazing own goal. I mean, that would have been roofed if it hadn't been for the woodwork. And then you got to the point where Dejan Lovren scores from a header to make it 3 4, Lovely at which point I think everybody lost their shit. Why he had the chance to get a fifth inches wide, inches wide. Um, and then Laka got his hat trick. And then 90 plus 10, <laughs> OL get a penalty and Lacazette puts it away. And uh, should mention Barkala, who I think is also your man crush, Chris, um, had a hat trick of assists in this game. Yeah. And I'll just leave you with uh, the words of Tarek Amir 
our good friend Lovehulls number twelve on Twitter, defending is a relative concept. <laughs> it, it was. It was an amazing watch. Um, when it was four one, some of the um, uh, OL fans on Twitter were just bringing out the clown gifts, <laughs> and uh, seriously, Charlie was losing his mind. And then it started coming back, and everybody was like, "What the hell is happening?" And it was just. I'm sure for the neutral, it was fabulous fun. For me, it was absolutely torturous. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's how it goes. It's not like Montpellier haven't lost 5-4 after being in a dominant position previously. So, True. yeah, oh, it, oh, was, yeah. it was kind of crackers. I had a chat with Angus Throne about it in the week because he was on commentary and... Uh... I was genuinely concerned for his health watching it back. Like the, the man was, was losing. It. I had um, somebody else was saying, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Jeremy Toulalan, who's like Sudia Mercier. I'm going to watch the highlights when I have time. I'm like, set aside, set aside some time, Pat. Yeah. They're going to take a while. This will not be your normal 90 second match of the day thing this is yeah. going to take time it's very much your, your classic end of season knockabout really wasn't it but um just just while we're on the subject of leon jez you wanted to mention jean-michel olas who's now officially parted with the club he was in this sort of role of um uh, sort of honorary director which is kind of a you know, a bit of a loose term for we appreciate you but you're not really part of this anymore type of thing as businesses do um john tax there's agents or businesses taken over completely now um just a word on Olas and his his uh input for french football and whether this is slightly concerning for laurent blanc's future because there's been a bit of chat about whether he will remain beyond this season or not for me this is by far the biggest football news story in in France this week. Um, I don't think it can really be sort of underestimated how huge he's been for Lyon and French football. When we talk about sort of classless communique, I think the the one that Lyon released was was pretty shitty. It was like literally sort of three, four lines. He took over from Lyon in 1987 um, when Lyon were in the second division. They were playing in front of 10,000 people at best. Um, you know they were they were it was pretty much like a provincial club in France's second or third city um and he transformed them into you know multiple title winners um two-time Champions League semi-finalists um very unfortunate quarter-final losers a couple of times has um created a youth development system that has produced you know world cup winners and and global superstars um he's built a stadium which Lyon own which is quite rare for a french club the the, the club owns the team uh, or that owns the ground rather um they're they're trans transforming the the site into a sort of bigger sports complex like a basketball court for example um, he's had his moments, I mean, controversial moments, but he's been a big champion of, of 
women's football and, and especially Lyon's women's team and, and we all know how dominant and successful they've been um, and as as a couple of people have observed he sort of try, you know he he's kind of bridged that gap between the sort of those sort of famous French presidents of the 70s and 80s people like um, Roger Rocher Saint-Étienne and Claude Bez at Bordeaux and obviously Tappy at Marseille and the modern era and he you know he's been a controversial figure and but that has usually been to do with sort of you know you mentioned like Mourinho and Ferguson it's usually been that kind of thing you know bullshit on social media or psychological games or um you know half lies in support of Lyon which is not excusable necessarily but all those others Rocher um Bears Tappy they've all ended up in prison at different times for the controversial stuff they've done for their club. So I know in the last few years, he's been a hate figure for a lot of people, but I've always thought that was pretty disgusting. I've always thought that um, arguably Lyon started going downhill once he started um, transferring a little bit of power to other people. Some would say it was because he didn't do it in such a clear-cut way, but I think, you know, had he been running everything himself, probably Lyon would be in a better state now. Um, I, he wasn't, he didn't have just an honorary job. I mean, that's kind of what he's maybe going to have now, but he actually did still have a role. Um, and, you know, clearly it was at loggerheads. He was, his views kind of clashed with Texter and his people. So he's gradually been pushed out, but I really am not sure it's necessarily going to be a good thing. You know, Texter yesterday made a big fuss about how he's all about recruitment, which seems strange considering he also owns a club who've just reappointed their previous manager. who's in his late seventies. Mm. Um, and not, I'm not sure that sort of, you know, an innovation in recruitment there. So I'm not sure that bodes well. I personally don't think it bodes well having an American owner of a soccer team anyway, as we've seen, uh, you know, teams in West London may attest to. I'm not sure it bodes well having an owner who owns several other football teams. It it doesn't suggest that he's sort of fully focused on, on this team. So I don't, I'm not necessarily hopeful for the near future for Lyon at all. Um, And yeah, I just, I think it's, it's quite sad. I think he's a, a huge part of French football, not just for Lyon, not, you know, even the sort of love him or hate him thing. He's generated copy. He's, you know, he's, um, he's, yeah, I think he's He's been massive for French football and helping develop French football, men's and women's over the years, you know, not, not just, um, you know, he's, you know, he's been involved in LFP and, and not always positively, but been influential in sort of appointments or lost elections for various presidencies at the FFF or the LFP, that kind of thing. I think he intends to still be involved in um, that side of the game in, in on the women's side, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing with the experience that he's got. So, yeah, I think he'll be a big loss and, you know, started off by talking about Messi leaving Liga. To me, there's no doubt he's the bigger loss. Mm. And by the way, generally, the outpouring of, if not always love, certainly respect for him 
has been pretty strong and only one person has come out with a really shitty nasty little comment which was something like football won't miss you at all you're nothing that kind of thing that person surprise surprise Hatem Ben Arthur yeah I was gonna say it's Hatem Ben Arthur wasn't it yeah I saw this in, in the, I think they even made the English press this week about his comments yeah yeah well, I think when I was growing up was it my mum you always used to say uh, if you haven't got something nice to say just don't say anything at all um, I think Hatem could probably take a leaf out of that book. Um, do, do you feel? Well, yeah, I okay. just want to obviously follow up with Je- what Jez said about Leon, but about women's football in particular, that he, along with weirdly Louis Nicolas, who was also good for some column inches, um, were some of the first to realise that it was worth investing in women's football. And when you see what Leon have done, like the investment, the training, the staffing, the salaries, but also just the more sort of ephemeral stuff like the website being shared, mm. um, the, the women are on the front page as much as the men look how well that worked. And when when the news came out, I was talking to some people on Twitter and I was saying, you know, when QSI took over PSG, they were like, oh, we can get a good ROI if we put money into the women's team. And they did it. And now look, mm. you know, it's OL and PSG top two every season. Um, but when you look at Lyon's, um, the women's team, when you look at their list of trophies, a large part of that is because they were ahead of the game. They were ahead of a lot of other teams in actually taking the women's game seriously. And you can see what, Barcelona have done over the last sort of couple of years, but they did not do that early like Leon did. And that's why Leon have God knows how many um, Champions Leagues. Um, And teams like Chelsea and Arsenal, you know, putting the money in Man City now, whatever. But the ones that started strong. You're talking about Scandinavia, some of Germany, and Neil, basically. And that was a large part of that was down to all us. And so I think um, we saw one of the people saying nice things rather than nothing at all was Ada Hegerberg, um giving her tribute on Twitter to him because obviously she would not be where she is you can argue if she hadn't come to France. Yeah. And well, she, she she's got, you know, the, the golden ball or whatever it's called in the women's game. Um so yes, and yeah, we will miss his occasional social media rants, but I'm sure he's gonna keep doing those for a while. Oh, I um, put money on that. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to stay quiet, is he? In, no. in terms of a, a quiet retirement, no. 
No, it's um, you know, I think you both spoke very well there, and it was very interesting to see what the future of Leon is because you do often uh, there is often this thing in modern day football of like, oh, you know, we have to move on from such the, the old the old school, but the, the older mentality. Yet at the same time, a lot of those clubs who do try and do that, um, but not in the right ways, often are the ones that fall by the wayside in the future. So. Hopefully, for Leon's sake, that will not be the case. Um, back on the pitch with that win, that puts them right in the mix for this potentially Europa spot. I think Champions League is a bit of a, um, well, it is a way off for them, but uh, Europa League or Europa Conference certainly is within their grasp with that win. Um, and then the challenges in and around them for that spot. Uh, so, Ralph's threw a, a spanner in the works by beating Lille by a goal to nil. Manetzi um, with the winner there. Um, nice then threw an even larger spanner in the works by beating Ren by two goals to one. It, it would appear Nice are back on track after a, a bit of a wobble uh, post-European exit themselves. Uh, Gaetan Laborde and Terra Moffi with the goals there. Late one back for Burrigo was not enough. So Ren fall as well. Um, and Monaco, as we kind of expected yeah. them to, did win 2-1 um, at Angers. But that wasn't the full story here. Well, because they had... Drillambolo was out injured, and we've talked before about wherever the goal's coming from, Kevin Volland or whatever. Um, and then Clement dropped Wissam Ben Yedder for missing a pre training briefing, mm-hmm. which I'm thinking, okay, good, you're laying down the law, but seriously. Um, but uh, Golovan did open the scoring there, so they still had one striker vaguely on the pitch. Um, and then Boadu got the second. Um, Angers got one back through Sina, I yeah. think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was... You were imagining that would be uh, a, a, a larger... Um, scoreline that it actually was, but they got the three points, so they are still kind of top of the pops for the Europa League because there's no way they're going to get top three. Basically, looking at the looking at the stats, but they are five clear of Lille in fifth. Yeah, so yeah. you have to think they're going to get get Europa straight in and not have to start in, start in next week, um, which I'm sure they'll be happy about. We mentioned before as well, didn't we, about the fact that Monaco are likely to lose quite a few of their sellable assets in the summer. And um, I think European football full stop is a must for them in terms of uh, building on or rebuilding that squad they've got. So, yeah, big win for them. And, um, yeah, as for Wissam Ben Yedder, I think we're probably seeing the end of him uh, in terms of uh, sort of highest level in France. So I don't think he'll leave France, but I, I, would, I wouldn't be too shocked to see him uh, at a sort of a mid-table type of club next season because it's clear that Monaco want to move on. Um, and he's got a few tax issues to sort out, I believe, as well. So, allegedly. Really? Um, mm, apparently so. Such a surprise for a mm. player in Monaco. Who'd have thought? Yeah, who'd if have thought? You can get yourself into tax issues in an area where there is no tax. Yeah. That kind of shows you up. I'm 
for the benefit of any geek followers we have, I am aware there is tax for French citizens blowing them. It's just a joke. Yes. Yeah, it's all good. Taken in, taken in the right form. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely uh, change ahead at Monaco. Um, just, just to sort of wrap us up in, in that regard, uh, are you going to sort of put your head on the block in terms of who you see finishing in those spaces again as we're, what, three games away, for, four games away from the end of the season now? Um, sort of Los Marseille probably locked in in those top three positions or top two positions behind PSG. But the race goes on, doesn't it? Looking at those run-ins, who do you fancy to claim those last two European spots? Yeah, I think probably <clears throat> top four are probably all right now. I think it's just a question of which order Lance and Marseille finish in. I think it was a very good weekend for Monaco. Mm. Although, I have to see if they'll back it up. I mean, you know, I think Clermont very pointedly dropped quite a few players. Yeah, true. And the yeah. players he brought in did very well, so... Um, we'll see like if he's pe- bringing people back or keeping the the same team. Um, I'm just looking at the run-ins. I mean, Lille have got a couple of tough matches, Monaco and Marseille. Yeah. Then a couple of nice finishes away to uh, home to Nantes and away to Lille. So they've got to be looking to at least get six points. And with the three-point advantage they've got, that might be enough. Um, Ren. Uh, at home to Troyes, away to Ajaxio, so that's very nice. Um, at home to Monaco and away to Brest, so that's a pretty nice looking set of fixtures on paper. But Ren, I just I found very disappointing for a while now. I mean, I I I think they're hugely underachieving this year. I think they should be doing much better than they are, considering so many of the teams around them have been stumbling. And even Lens and Marseille have had their moments. I think Rennes should should have been challenging for a Champions League place. And, you know, we've talked about Terrier, and I know he's a big loss, but I still think with the sort of attacking power that they've got, they should be doing better than they are. Mm. Um, And then Lyon, who've got a bit of a head of steam behind them now. Um, Away to Clermont sounds exactly like the type of match that Lyon will lose. Um, <laughs> then at home to Monaco, which is going to be possibly Tasty. tough, at home to Reims and away to Nice. I can see Lyon winning all of them or losing all of them. <laughs> you just don't know, do you? <laughs> I must admit, I did look at that Clermont game and thought, again, I was chatting to Adam and he was like, this is why I love Lyon. And I was like, yeah, you got Clermont in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Jez. It does have the feel of, it's kind of weird how the table it was so tight for so many weeks and now all of a sudden we've got you know one relegated team already and two cut, cut away completely. And then you've got a fairly chunky gap of what, seven points between 14th and 13th. You've then got that big gap between Nice and Lyon, which is five five points in eighth and seventh. Um, and obviously you've got the gap at the top, which is now six points. And barring, a, as we said earlier, barring a catastrophe, PSG are, are going to claim the title. So it's funny how... Also, I mean, claim. there is depth there. Like, you know, Toulouse obviously have been a bit distracted by the cut, but they've played some fantastic football and they're right. down as far as 13th. Montpellier Absolutely. certainly recently have done well. Clermont been so underrated this year Reims we've we've spoken about so much and the Will Stid effect and by the way there's a very good article in Lecky this week about Will Still's formation against Lille where he sort of played a 4-4-2 
but where like the centre backs and the central midfielders explain it wrong. There was kind of quite a there was a square in the middle of the park and the two strikers were actually two wingers. Hmm. So sort of not a full nine, basically no strikers. It was whatever. It was a very strange formation, which obviously worked, although helped by officially, according to XG, one of the worst misses ever by Remy Cabin. <laughs> that was quite the miss. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, just, just yeah, have a look. It is quite the miss. Um, you know, then Lorient had a great start to the season, have played some great football. Nice had that big run with Digar. So all the way through, there's been some decent football, some um, teams that have had their their real sort of moments in the sun and their good runs. It's only sort of right at the bottom that it's been a bit meh. Yeah, yeah, as is always the case down at, down at the end. Yeah, for sure. It's been a good, good season. Um, we will... Excuse me, we will update you on, on League Dirt probably next week because we did do a, a sort of a fairly lengthy piece on them last week, but it pretty much is as you were. Um, before we finish, though, there was just one other story you wanted to mention, Jez, in terms of um, there's an article uh, that was first brought to light on La Parisienne, I think it's gone on to L'Equipe today as well, um, about a, a former Mets and PSG striker. And why is this of interest? It was actually, it was, they did publish an article sort of around the time last year when it happened but yeah La Parisien it passed me by and La Parisien published something this week and then um, Lekipa picked it up again just because the guy's going to be doing the ceremonial kickoff for PSG Ajaxio or Ajaxio PSG this weekend um, his name's he's Bruno Fernandez. he's one of those sort of journeyman players he's, who if you okay. look at his, his career he's played for a hell of a lot of teams um, including two matches on loan at Bradford. Um, I uh, saw that and it said September, October. So yeah. I was like, was, was he actually there? So, he was actually there because I haven't seen him on Twitter for a while, but there is a, a sports journalist on Twitter who actually served as his translator while he was at Bradford. Um, and he did also play for Ajaccio later in his career, I think, after yeah. he came back to France after that. I think he is Corsican. I think maybe he was born in Bastia. He yeah. certainly lives in Bastia now. Um, he was in the, the mess team that, that just missed out on the league in 98. Um, he scored, I think, two goals in one of my favourite ever matches when, when Mess beat Marseille 3-2. Um, the other goal scored by Rigobert Song, and it's one of my favourite ever goals. Uh, look it up. It's a great match. Um, and, yeah, he last year took the decision to, to have his, his leg amputated. Um, basically, he he was in such pain that he you know was thinking of jumping out of the window at, at times, that kind of thing. Um, the pain was caused by the sort of consequences of having too many painkilling injections throughout his career. And in the in the article, he spoke firstly about obviously his experience, about the fact that um, footballers, when they're footballers, aren't given enough advice and warnings about about potential side effects or consequences of of taking these these medications, and then also about how little support, if any, he's had from the football community since, and how basically 
you know, to most professional clubs, professional players are just pieces of meat. And, you know, once, once they're not of use to you anymore, you're, you're sort of completely dropped by them. So it was, it was a moving and interesting article. He seems to kind of be dealing with it in as much, with as much good humor as he can. Um, uh, it was, you know, talked about how, even though he's retired, the fact that you know, he he sort of lost the foot that brought him lots of professional success was something very very difficult to deal with psychologically, yeah. as you can imagine. Um, so yeah, it was it was an interesting article, and I just thought an interesting sort of issue that he raised that I've never seen raised before. I know we, we you know we talk about, for example, uh, the sort of head injuries or that that people suffer from just gonna mention heated that, heading that kind of thing yeah um you know jeff astle and and, and things like that but I've, ne- I've never heard of this kind of thing and, and i wonder how not common but how much it is an issue i know like you know for example van basten when he released his autobiography a couple of years ago spoke a lot about the agony that that he's still in and you know sometimes he still has to sort of crawl to the toilet he can't walk on his ankle because it's taken so many knocks and operations mm-hmm. um so you know Bruno Rodriguez isn't quite in the same bracket as as Van Basten in terms of probably the support financial or professionally that, that he's got in the background but um uh yeah, it was an interesting read and seems a good guy. And so sort of glad that he's going to have his little moment on uh, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I was, it, it immediately thought that the the good work that uh, Chris Sutton is trying to bring to light in regards to head injuries and whatnot, that's the first yeah. thing that came to mind. But yeah, we, we forget, Phil, don't we? It's, it's a taxing sport on the body. It's not just the, you know, it's not just the heading side, but physically on the legs. I mean, any professional athlete will tell you that it's tough on the body once you stop doing what you love to do. Um, funny enough, again, I was talking to Adam about it and saying like, cause he had a very serious knee injury that you'll probably know about Jess when he was at Brighton, um, which finished his career. Um, and he said he hasn't been able to do any sort of physical training since his, his retirement because his body just doesn't allow it anymore. And um, we do talk about concussions and whatnot, but the amount of times where you hear a player has quote unquote played through injury it's um it's a real yeah. thing, isn't it, Phil? At the end of the day, it's, it's really and and when you you look at um his Barcourt, Monaco, Bastia, Strasbourg, Metz, PSG, Lens, and got Rio Vallecano for a bit. Again, another kind of two match situation, and Jatio, Clermont, and he was playing during the nineties. This mm. is not. Oh my God, the 70s were terrible for medicine. Yeah. This is, he was playing in the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah. And basically, the treatment he was given is what he is saying, and many other people are saying, is what caused this problem. And that he was actually begging doctors. To, to remove his right leg mm. at the knee. Now, that is something I don't think any of us are ever going to have to deal with. I hope not. <laughs> um, but it's it's horrible. Mm. Yeah, agreed. That yeah. He ended up with basically no cartilage. Yeah. 
in his knee that his ankle was fucked and that he's only 50 now. Yeah. And yes, this is um, uh, an hat tip, as it were, when uh, the news broke that he'd had the operation PSG. Um, he put out tweets with some of his um, final work for them um, in the past. And yeah, it's it's very sad, but as Jess said, he seems to be dealing with it with... Um, the, uh, the grace and humor. Great, yeah. Grace is a good word. Mm. Grace and uh, a dry smile, maybe. Mm. Um, but yes, uh, a very interesting piece. If you look it up, it's uh, there is one on Lakeep's website. Again, you can right click, translate to English. Um, just to read a bit about this guy's history, which is fascinating. Yeah, so. always we always try and find a positive in every uh, in every negative in life, and um, some people do it better than others. I think it's fair to say. And um, unfortunately, dear listeners, this is where you're going to have to find the positive in the negative. That we are going to wrap it up there for another week. So I just want to mention the um, yeah, of course, it's the uh, under twenty World Cup. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Very soon. And I think it is partly because of the timing of the World Cup. But um, this is the the tournament that, that France won in 2013 with the likes of Ariola and Pogba and Veratou and, and Titi, I think. And um, Varane would have been there if he hadn't been injured. Um, so obviously, you know, a very good bedding ground for, for players who went on to big things. Um, did I say Pogba? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously France, in theory, could put out a very good team themselves, but very few of the potential squad members have been released by their clubs. So players like Ben Seguir at Monaco, Desiree Douai at Rennes, Isaac Touré at Auxerre, Gunnar Duat at Salzburg, Ali Cho, Real Sociedad, Kumbedi and Gusto, the two very good fullbacks at Lyon, um, Moanga, Bordeaux, who I think there was a story today that he's one of Griezmann's favourite players on Football Manager or something. Matisse Tell at Bayern Munich, El Wahi at Montpellier. I think um, Cherki could have still qualified for the team. Michu at Sunderland, he's obviously now in the playoffs. Obviously that that one seems quite fair enough that he's not going. Um, yeah, basically what could have been a very, very competitive team is now not so much. Yeah. The, squad, the France squad has been released today and, and yeah, it's mostly players who have not yet sort of had their chance at, at the very top level. I mean, there is Kudi Bali who played made his debut recently for Dortmund. Um there's there's players who are already sort of at you know top foreign clubs like Juventus, Hull, Huddersfield. Um there's four Monaco players who, without checking, I assume probably a part of the Gombardella winning team. And there is Wilson Odebert, who's probably the, the best known of the players in the squad. But, you know, a, you know, a player who's done very well at Trois this year is not necessarily as, as stellar as some of those players in 2013, for example. So it's just a shame. And I don't know if the same situation is happening for other countries, but it's just a little bit frustrating that another chance of sort of French youth team silverware is probably 
beyond well beyond them now. Yeah, a bit because um, this <clears throat> happened in previous years when um, the under twenty or under twenty one tournaments have clashed with the Tournoi Marcevello, which used to be the Toulon tournament. <clears throat> um, that I think. One time I went to see the final of Toulon. France had two under-20 sides playing simultaneously in different countries. Uh, I'm actually going to be going to see the final couple of days of the tournoi. Uh, so whether it will be the same team or whether it's going to get even more kind of random uh, when you go down go down the pecking order for that is going to be interesting but yeah it's the timing of this tournament is not fabulous mm. let's let's be blunt about that but um yeah it's uh i'm looking at the list of names and it's not got the same kind of recognition power it's had in in uh, other other years, not what it could be, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely for sure. Be interesting to see what uh, Didier Deschamps thinks of that in terms of he's got plenty to work with as it is, but uh, can't help but feel that he would rather that some of those stars got exposure to. Yeah, a couple of white bags might. Yeah, might be quite handy. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. Okay. Well, we will leave it there. Um, but uh, we will be back next week, um, a little bit later this week again, as you would have gathered, we're releasing this on a Wednesday because we had a bank holiday here on Monday. So apologies well, if we big hat ceremony. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it rained all day, so it wasn't that fun. Um, but uh, next week we will over we'll... here. It was for VE Day, which may be slightly more important historically yeah. speaking. Absolutely so, yeah, far more than what we did, but I'll leave my views aside. Um, but yeah, we will be back next week uh, to look at the weekend's action, um, more than likely sort of back to our Monday or Tuesday slot. So keep it uh, keep it tuned there and we will discuss things in depth then. But uh, for this week, just amazes me to thank both Phil and Jez for your time this evening. Thank you both. Thank you. And indeed, we will be back next week. And uh, whichever game you are looking to tune into this week, uh, enjoy your French football. And maybe, just maybe, it might be worth checking those fixtures because there is one that stands out bigger than most. But whatever you watch, enjoy. And we will speak to you next week. Take care.